0: On this week's episode of the Native Immigrants podcast, we speak about some of the shows we saw this week on BBC's Big British Asian Summer Season of Programming, including Searching for Mum and Bobby Friction's Pump Up the Bangarra. The Native Immigrants are in the building, hit the music. And welcome to another edition of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host Swami Barakis, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Coconut Underscore Kaleere. What's going on, Cookie?
1: <laughs> Is that going to stick?
0: Coconut Galileo could be the one now. Jojo Underscore B has almost run its course for 20 shows.
1: I do like Coconut Galileo.
0: Yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue that no, well, No, but
1: I think it's quite a good, you know, like producer slash MC name.
0: Exactly. You know, the two-pronged attack, three-pronged attack. Producer, MC, podcast host. Yeah. You know, it's the three key elements of life, <laughs> you know. And if you, can, if you can pass all three of them, Jojo B, you're one step closer to spiritual enlightenment.
1: Well, I'm a third of the way there. uh, Podcast host.
0: Yeah, but didn't you know, you spat some bars in the past. Did I? Well, you've kind of helped ad-lib on a few of my tunes and stuff when we were practicing them before. This is the thing, you know, back in the day, when I used used to do like my writing and recording before I got married to Jojo B, it was me in the room, like kind of like writing and then kind of like practicing it, rehearsing it. Now, obviously, because I share uh, my place with my wife as normal husband and wife people do, um, she inadvertently always walks in on me writing and starts to spit my bars alongside me. So completely killing the element of like being a free spirit.
1: I am your hype woman. Hype woman. I'm that one in the background that just goes, yeah, 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 pointlessly. <laughs> and I'm that one.
0: That one. Great. I never
1: just I never knew the point Of a hype person On stage Oh my other than Other than To keep the MC company Like what is he there for?
0: To, to hype the crowd That's legitimately What a hype man does But does he though? Yeah because obviously The artist has got to like Spit the bars Rap his tunes The hype man Obviously has got to Get the crowd energetic And kind of get them engaged And kind it's of the stuff the
1: hip hop equivalent Of that guy that If you go see a comedy show That holds up a sign That says applause
0: That's the guy. That's the one <laughs> That's quite sad to see that sometimes because <laughs> it's like, you know, usually that should be an organic thing where the crowd would laugh at, at, at a joke from a comedian.
1: This was meant to be funny. Yeah. Applause now.
0: Applause. And it's a gentle applause. It's not even like a laugh.
1: Yeah. And then they just add the canned laughter afterwards.
0: Yeah. Like the old sitcoms in the <laughs> days where just like, you know, this canned laughter come on and it would just be in a minute and they would just stop abruptly and the scene would carry on.
1: <sighs> so I'll be a hype woman. Okay. I'll tell people when to clap
0: okay (laughs) all right stop the track this is the time where everyone throw your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care well done (laughs) no wonder my music career is stalling abruptly (laughs) listen
1: yeah (sighs) when i was your manager you were at your very best
0: my manager yes right is that what you were i was okay
1: That's what everyone thought I was anyway. Everyone did
0: say, you know, like, Jojo be managing you now. Um, Because they always see us around together when we go to like, uh, you know, shows and events and gigs and stuff.
1: I always had the CDs. At Tea in the Park, I had a clipboard.
0: (laughs) You did have a clipboard at Tea in the Park. (laughs) Um, You know, with all the specific uh, instructions and uh, organisation things and train tickets and all sorts.
1: I was assistant slash manager. I organised that whole trip.
0: Yes, uh, you really did. Like I said, like I'm I'm a bit of a headless chicken when it comes to those kind of things. So I'm glad I had Jojo B to help me with all those things. And I gave her so much plaudits and attention that I ended up um, giving her a husband. Um, so I think... He like, gave me your life. Yeah. So really, who really got the better end of the bargain there is what you need to ask yourself, Jojo B.
1: You did. Cause because how- I continue to organize your life.
0: You do. But how are you and oh, God. Oh, God. I also
1: have to listen to him complaining in Gujarati.
0: Yes, because uh, I am, of course, slowly transitioning to an old Gujarati uncle, but Jojo B is not having any of it. No, you know,
1: he did it for a whole day on our holiday. <laughs> I just stopped speaking to him. i just, I'm not going to interact with you. <laughs> because I can't, I can't deal with this. Oh, not, this days. is not. I think the words that I used were, "I didn't marry your dad." Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know that transition. Maybe I should start talking. You know, like I know old Gujarati men, and they, you know they talk with like a bit of an English accent when they're talking, and so like, "Yeah, not bad, man. Not bad. Not bad at all, man. Yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, not bad. Not bad at all." Yeah. Uh, they don't say not bad. They say not bid. Not bad. B e d. Not bad. <laughs> Not made at all, man. You don't know, you know how it is. You know it's not made. You know, not good. Not made at all. You know. Um, so because
1: th- it. <laughs> <laughs> it started as a joke, mm. and he continues to say it's a joke. Yeah, it's not a joke because he does it all the bloody time now.
0: But I'm not even see. I, I don't even go out to sound like that. It's, it just automatically happens. So you know, it's one of those things where you know you transition slowly. There's a metamorphosis.
1: I turn into an old Punjabi woman. And go, huh? Everything, yeah. Huh? Ghee? Huh? That's what I'm gonna do to you.
0: Sounds like a fucking goat. This <laughs> <laughs> that what old Punjabi women transition into farm animals.
1: Huh?
0: <laughs> 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 wow. I'm sorry, but no wonder Punjab's such a farming district.
1: Huh? <laughs> it's such a like a Asian diaspora thing. Huh? <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah so yeah, I suppose.
1: I don't know, maybe you good write don't do it. You? you guys always like to be different. The rest of India, goes, huh?
0: it's just because we've got really good uh hearing uh, senses huh? compared to all the <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. people are already switching off the show right now, and I, I don't know what you guys uh, are doing. You know, they're probably thinking this is like six or seven minutes of my life that I'll never get back.
1: If you're Asian, you know what we're on about. If you're not Asian, this ha is like a kind of like a what?
0: Do you know, you, kind you, of sound? you've had so much it's actually clipped the audio on our file. So I would, people have would been like throwing their earphones and headphones off and shit right now. just like, fuck. And then we get all kinds of people that just send us lawsuits because, um, yeah, uh, the native immigrants have caused me hearing problems. And so I'm in need of a hearing aid now.
1: Just turn the volume down.
0: Yeah, but they can't go up and down, up and down throughout the show Whenever you start to put, huh? In the fucking sentence Fuck's sake Um, but yeah Oh no, Jojo B's having a laughing attack And she's being really unprofessional right now Keep it together, son, keep it together, keep it together
1: Okay, I'm back
0: (laughs) Oh shit, no she's not We can keep going with this we can keep going. So, so to, all the, um, apologies to all the um, old Punjabi aunties and old Punjabi women out there um, who've just been insulted quite vehemently by JoJo B. Stereotyped quite vehemently by JoJo B. I
1: haven't been insulting them. I love them. <laughs> you're My th- family.
0: So now you're cussing your family now as well. <laughs> you know, not content. I do that
1: to their face as well. They not know content. about it. It's fine.
0: Unbelievable. It's, it's a good job that our families don't listen to this show. Cause then they'll hear exactly what we think of them. Yeah, about.
1: thanks for the support, guys.
0: Yeah, cheers, people. <laughs> you know, actually, you know, my, my aunt said the other day, I listened to this first few shows, and there was a like, like inside of me, there was like a shiver run down my spine because I was like, we say fuck shit, bollocks, literally, every. Is that episode. when she stopped listening? But I think so. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, what did you think, Adi? He goes, yeah, it's really funny. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't don't elaborate on it. I was like, just keep it to that. That's fine. Do you know what I mean, you know, you know, tell other people to listen to it, you know, tell the yeah. other you know, people in your circle. But yes, yeah, so the native immigrants uh, are old, as you can just hear. Um, but we did do something quite fun and young last night. Um, one of our friends, Ahmed, has a restaurant called the Garden of India, which is the best restaurant in Essex. Yes, it is. No bias. Um, it's an amazing restaurant in Harlow uh, that serves uh, delicious Indian cuisine. Such as? Such as the Barracuda G.
1: And what paytale would that be?
0: The Barracuda G is a dish that is named after yours truly, Swami no. Barakas. No it is indeed uh years and years ago uh, my brother mo who i met through clubbing as i've met most of my circle um including so, me including my good <laughs> wife do you know what I mean um we uh met and he told me he's got a, a restaurant in harlow if i'm ever done harlow pop down and stuff and i'll get a chance to savor some of his delights food i'm talking about people and uh popped down one day and he said i've got this dish because i kept talking about how much i love baneer i talk about baneer all the time on my social media Um, i'm surprised i haven't done a track about it to be honest um and he said he does this halloumi dish and he mixes in it's like a halloumi curry that he mixes in with some jack daniel's sauce yum and some green chilies and some you know really sweet like red onions and stuff it's absolutely divine and I went to try it for the first time, and I was hooked completely from the offset. And every time I've gone there, I've had the same dish every single time.
1: And no one else is allowed to have any? He not doesn't from my place.
0: Yeah, no. I, Swami does not share his food. Um, I've had to now, you know, humble myself, um, allow Jojo B to have some of my Barracuda G. <laughs> she gets to have Barracuda G all the time, though, to be fair. Um, so, <laughs> what has happened to this show? what has happened to us Um, but yeah so we got a chance to um, pop down yesterday to savor this because he's now changed the menu and actually incorporated it as part of the menu And it was awesome. And Jojo B had some amazing food herself. She had this really nice like alu gobi shashlik. It
1: was delicious.
0: Which was awesome as well. Um, If you're ever down in Harlow, pop down to the Garden of India. It's some of the finest Indian cuisine you will have. Because it's got this nice little fusion between Bangladeshi cuisine, which is what Mo is himself. But he incorporates a lot of Punjabi style cooking. um, Even some Gujarati style dishes within that new menu. Uh, with some of the charts that he has yeah. amazing food but we also got to check out kelly Laroque.
1: yeah she was performing
0: the legendary kelly la Rock, who was an icon of the old kind of garage period 90s
1: garage
0: late 90s early noughties garage yeah um and she was performing as part of like an old school garage night that he had last night great to see met her afterwards lovely girl
1: still so got an amazing voice Uh, Still looks stunning.
0: Still looks really, really young. I think it's like, you know, like an ethnic thing, you know, we age really, really well, you know? Yeah, we do. You know, I've got to give it, I'm kind of the grey hairs are forming.
1: Melanin, it helps.
0: Melanin does help, you know, and um, and Kelly Little looks looks amazing and still sounds amazing.
1: But that's the kind of vibes you get at Garden of India. You don't get your kind of, you know, sitar player in the corner. Yes. (laughs) You get like music you actually want to listen to
0: music you actually want to listen to exactly yeah. um he does stop. I've, I've heard a couple of my tunes being played every time i pop down there i'm like what the fuck is oh it's my tune but then he always ends up playing the swearing version and then i'm sitting there like oh for fuck's sake mo
1: and then his dad walks in and just looks at you yeah
0: <laughs> he gives me that really stern look because like uh, you know but he's, he'll tell his dad oh that's his tune's playing right now and then he'll hear like fucking it fucking and then he'll give me that stern look and I'll be yeah. like I, I was tricked into saying all those things uncle sorry apologies <laughs> amazing food um, but yeah pop down to the garden of india if you're anywhere near essex that side of east london and if you're anywhere near the southern half of england pop down because it's some amazingly awesome food right so what else has been happening this week so yours truly was back on asian network again uh what for? You know, for another debate show uh, midweek i'm literally there i'm not even joking at least once a week They um, need to give you a job they do need to give me a job i'm looking for work so Asian Network if you're listening Wagwan. Um but this um <laughs> this show uh or well, the debate they were having this week was about sex Ooh. in the British Asian community.
1: We don't do it though.
0: We don't do what sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, me. that's what Asians say we they don't, don't do. not do We saw Asians
1: say like no. We've never had sex. And then there's just loads of us. Yeah. Like, where do we come from then?
0: <laughs> well, yeah. It's like one of the biggest populations in the world. That doesn't come by by like, you know, adding an extra coconut to the Shiv temple, <laughs>
1: wouldn't
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> you know. You know putting mom, an extra two, three pence in the dick.
1: You know, my mum said to me, because I couldn't, she thought I couldn't get a husband and I was never going to get a husband. She told me that for seven Saturdays in a row, I had to throw dal into a river.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> throw a into a river?
1: I was like, mum, you're going to get me arrested. I can't just
0: throw a doll into the Thames. Look at this. <laughs> like, look, we have like, you know, like Sir David Attenborough talking about plastics in the ocean and stuff like that, how much of a problem that is. And there's you like throwing Dahl into the rivers I and know. stuff and contaminating these poor fishes. I
1: know. I was like, "Mom, I'm not going to do that. I didn't do that.
0: Good. Good. That Put that doll to good use and get into the kitchen afterwards and make up some talca. you
1: know what I mean? Put a doll into a river. That's going to get me a husband.
0: What is going on? Yeah, <sighs> our crazy, weird traditions. There's so much of it. But taboos around sex and our community. And that was what the discussion was. Whether you could talk to your parents about these kind of things, when your parents spoke to you about these kind of things. Um, you know, I will talk about what I said on that show, but I actually feel this is... A topic for a longer show it is you know not that we're leeching off asian networks uh you know debates and stuff like that because you know i've heard a few things i've done recently we spoke about those things over a month ago such as asians in the lgbtq Mm. plus community and all of a sudden they're talking about them recently
1: coincidence eh Mm give us jobs
0: yeah but we still support you asian network we still love you you know but speaking of asian network um there was a report that came out the other day from a comres survey that they orchestrated that actually said that british asians are more socially conservative than the wider uk population more than two thousand british asians responded to the poll as part of bbc's big british asian summer and a similar number of uk citizens responded in the same questions to generate a reflection of the views of the wider population Of the 2,026 respondents to the British-Asian survey, 1,197 were born in the UK, with countries of origin being predominantly India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, and Sri Lanka. Um, According to the surveys, just 5% of UK-wide respondents would be offended if a relative had sex before marriage, while more than a third, 34%, of British Asians would be. On same-sex relationships, 15% of UK-wide respondents said they were not acceptable. This rose to more than a third, 36%, of British Asians now the surveys also revealed differences in how age affects attitudes in the UK wide survey younger people were more supportive of same-sex relationships compared to older people but in the British Asian survey attitudes were broadly similar across all age groups um, I'll just touch on briefly in a couple of the other ones uh, on religion over half of 18 to 34 year olds in the general population said it wasn't important to them at all and just 8% of young British Asians said the same Um, Overall, 46% of British Asians said it was very important to them compared to 12% of the general population. Um, So there's a lot of things like this where they spoke about um, culture and religion, monarchy was one of the things. Um, Nomi Iqbal of the BBC's Asian Network actually said, ''The survey confirms what many British Asians have always said, bridging two cultures involves complication and contradiction. More than half of respondents say they've toned down their Asian identity in order to better fit into British society.'' This could mean people using Western-sounding names or altering their accents. Perhaps it's a reminder that ultimately this is how integration can happen. For their parents who came to the UK after World War II, the intention hadn't necessarily been to stay. Facing racism and being few in number, many held tight to community and tradition to retain a sense of identity. Um... Now, we've spoke about in previous shows about how conservative British Asians are with things like attitudes towards LGBTQ plus community, forced marriages, um, same sex relationships, obviously, etc, etc. This survey doesn't tell us anything that we don't know, obviously, Jojo V. But what are your thoughts? It just kind of
1: summarises that Asians are uptight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could have been summed up in literally one sentence, you know,
1: we are very uptight. I think they're still torn between the values of back home as such and, and here. Whereas actually the valleys of back home have moved on quite a lot. Yeah. And in some ways have moved on and then moved backwards again, <laughs> like in India and their LGBTQ rights, yeah. et cetera. But um, there's a lot more of a, a kind of forward thinking mentality now. If you mm. go over to India in a lot of places in the big cities, especially the metro cities. Yeah. Um, but I think our, our relatives who came over here and kind of, Post-war Britain um, have held on to the views that they had held in that era when Absolutely, they lived in yeah, India. Yeah, back then. Yeah, and it, and so then we're kind of like torn between the two.
0: Yeah, and I think we, like I said, I've said in the last episode, we're almost like the transition uh, generation between our parents' generation, who were the first ones to come over. Yeah, we're the second
1: and third generation and you're going into the fourth and fifth generation in some places now. Yeah, Um, I'm still second generation in my family. So, Mm. um, yeah, it's like you still have that Indian value at home and you kind of, that's what you were brought up with. But then it kind of goes against everything else that's going on in kind of British culture and you're trying to find your way in between it. Yeah, And it's still, it's a cliche because we've been saying it for about 20 years that we're still trying to find our place. But we are, we are still trying to kind of. Battle the two cultures.
0: Yeah, it's a, you know it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Obviously, but well, I think
1: it's a beautiful thing. We have a lovely kind of like mix of of identities going on. I really enjoy the fact that I don't. I'm not just like it's stuck in one culture. I, I love I, it. You know, we straddle two different cultures, and it's really nice that we have our own. We've created our own identity. This generation, yeah, has created their own identity, and it's really nice that we have that. And it's a British Asian thing. You. I don't fit in in India at all. No. You know, and the only place that I think I do fit in is in Britain. Yeah. And I know some people think that I don't because of the colour of my skin or whatever. But fuck them. Like I do. I belong here. And I love the fact that I have this kind of lovely mix of cultures that I live within.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I love the fact that I'm British Asian. I'm British and Asian. You know, it's the best of both cultures, which I feel very deeply connected to. Um, I'm able to retain all the values um, of our cultural traditions within my Hindu Gujarati culture. Um, also, I love the fact that I'm British. I love the sense of humour. I love being here. I love being a Londoner. You know, everything about both of those two communities coming together is everything that I'd want in a life, you know. Exactly. um and it allows me to interact with so many different people from so many different communities and cultures so i'm not just stuck within one i'm meeting people every day that are uh, europeans that are british or punjabis like yourself that are british yeah. you know black british you know it's just british culture now is a, is a, an amalgam of so many different communities and and there's not many other places in the world that you get that that's you've got such a mix Um, And it allows you to incorporate bits of everything as yourself being British. Um, So I love it. You know, I wouldn't want to be anything else. It's
1: the one positive that came out of an empire, eh? (laughs)
0: Yeah, the one one positive from all the colonization and the rape, pillage and burning of all our Commonwealth countries. We all
1: kind of came together and made a mix of cultures
0: well there you go there's a silver lining at the end of all that yeah you know? uh but anyway that's the end of the first half of the show when we come back on the second half we're going to be talking about some of the programs that have been coming on and bbc's brick Br- some of the programs that have been on during big big fucking hell <laughs> some of the programs that have been on during bbc's big british asian summer including searching for mum and pump up the bungalow see you on the other side, people Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas.
1: And I'm Jojo B. Are you? Yes, I am.
0: Aren't you Coconut Kalire?
1: Oh, also that. (laughs) A.K.A. Coconut Kalire.
0: This is going to be every week. Jojo B. A.K.A. Coconut Kalire. A.K.A. Jojo underscore B. A.K.A. Jyoti B. A.K.A. Jyoti G. A.K.A. Paala G. A.K.A. Barracuda G. A.K.A. All you needed was the hand. Just like. Bus. Bus. (laughs) Right, and this half of the show, we're gonna be talking about some of the shows that we've seen in this continual big British Asian summer season on the BBC. Uh, We have touched on a few of the shows already in our past couple of episodes. Yes, we have. Um, You know, we spoke about Passage with Britain, uh, the show about Bollywood with Anita Rani. We're talking about that show. We actually said on that show specifically how the fact that they were talking about things within India, there wasn't enough about British, Asian in that program, why are they showing more Bollywood? And to be fair to them, you know, in their defense... Uh, in the second episode, which came last week, yeah. they did actually speak to some British Asian actors. Yeah,
1: they talked about like, foreigners, basically, in Bollywood. Yes. It was really interesting. It was really interesting to us hear what the girls had to say about, like I said, about the dark side of Bollywood, about, you know, like kind of the casting couch and all of that stuff. That's that sleaziness. was all covered in that episode. Yeah, so yeah. just I just needed to be more patient.
0: That's This is it. You know, <laughs> we'll hold our hands up uh, because we said that, you know, they should focus on that because it is a season of big British Asians. Big British Asians, a season of big oh, yeah. British Asians. <laughs> How many big British Asians do you know? Joe me?
1: Plenty. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> unfortunately, when it comes to big British Asians and diabetes, they come hand in hand together, don't they?
1: Yes, they do. You know,
0: uh, with our food, I think there's a big British Asian in all our households. Um, oh, we've
1: got a kitchen full of samosa and buffy at the moment, <laughs> yeah. so I think we're. We're joining those people.
0: We will be there very, very soon, (laughs) Um, you know. But anyway, yeah, so they did focus on some British Asians going over to Bollywood and trying to make it within the industry, which is exactly what we wanted to see. So I'm glad we got a chance to check that out. Another show that's come on that we haven't got a chance to speak about yet was Searching for Mum. Now, Mm -hmm. I remember when we first spoke about this all the way back in episode seven of the Native Immigrants podcast about the fact there was going to be a big British Asian summer season of programming. Mm Mm-hmm now searching for mom was one of the shows where you actually said that i'm going to cry my way all throughout it yeah and that is going to be very very emotional and the journeys are going to be just like you know there'll be potentially some happiness but there might be a lot of tragedy that goes with it as well yeah um so you know in a way we were looking forward to these shows but at the same time you know we had the handkerchiefs at the ready you know in case it got really really sad but uh so the first episode was about two ladies uh one was named ria she was from scotland and another named Rebecca, who I think was from London. Yeah. And they went to Sri Lanka to find their birth parents. Um, we saw Rhea's story in the fact that, you know, she was trying to find her, her birth mother. And she actually found her.
1: Yeah. That made me cry. It was so nice. She was reunited not only with her birth mother, but with the whole family. Yeah. Siblings, extended family. You could see how overwhelmed she was. Yeah. And it was just, uh, it was very touching.
0: Yeah. Really touching. Really touching. Um, it's just gotta be like emotions the likes of which you just probably never, you know, come across. Because know?
1: she was brought up in the Highlands of Scotland. Mm. It's quite a quite remote place. Yeah. In a very white community with white parents who she loves very much. But um, you know, to go back to your place of birth and to see a whole family that looks like you. Yeah. You know, and to really kind of feel like this is this is what I came from, mm. it must be it just must be insane to be able to get your head around that that kind of notion
0: yeah it's
1: um yeah it's pretty amazing That's to the see. Thing.
0: yeah it's an overriding sense of so many different emotions and obviously you know it, it, it'll take a while for those kind of things to sink in and it's like again it's another long-term process you know getting to know these people but at least just the knowing that you've found that person that journey's come to a resolution almost you know it's got to yeah. be the biggest you know triumph of emotion in itself um, but the other story was a little bit more interesting. Yeah. So, um A lady called Rebecca, and she'd been adopted by a set of Asian parents here in the UK.
1: I think they were Sri Lankan as well.
0: Oh, were they? Yeah, okay, I think yeah. So. And she uh, went back to Sri Lanka herself to try to find her parents. Um, now, we watched the show and it really came across to me uh, from the things that were said in the show uh, that she was quite ungrateful about her adopted family and the fact that she was raised here and had given her a life here Um, because they said within the, you know, the context of that show that she doesn't really have much of a relationship with those parents. um, And there's a bit of a distance between them. And um, you know, they had the adoptive mother on there saying, you know, we, we tried to give her the best education and we tried to, you know, raise her the right way. And we still love her, but, you know, that for whatever reason, she doesn't want to have a relationship with me, etc. Mm. Um, and then they spoke to Rebecca herself and she was like, um, I just had a really strict upbringing. It was always about, you know, grades and school results and this, these kind of things. And, you know, that's all, you know, my mother cared about and things like that.
1: Um, I think... I think what you have to bear in mind is the context of how she found out, so she found out by accident by finding some papers in her parents' room, and she'd been told to go and get something from their room, yeah, and the papers were just out, and she saw her name, so she as a I think she was eight or nine when she found out yeah. she read the letter, and um that's how she found out,
0: yeah, yeah, and
1: I think that's really traumatic, I think that they had hidden that fact from her before that, yeah. so she didn't know she was you know adopted and then i think that instantly kind of obviously caused a lot of um kind of confusion and there's mm. obviously a lot of trauma around that yeah so there's that background Obviously, she had all this pressure from her parents, but now she's thinking in her in her her adoptive parents. But in her mind, she's thinking, "You're not my parents anymore." I'm guessing this is what was going on, yeah. and you know, and just kind of not feeling like she belonged anymore to that family. So then, any conflict that came about was probably intensified because she already had these thoughts in her head. Yeah, I'm not saying that she's a lovely person or anything like that, and I'm not defending how she, what her relationship might be with her parents now but i don't think the program did her any favors it didn't explain it just really in passing just said she has no relationship with her with her adoptive parents yeah. there's no explanation given and then you see her kind of criticizing them a bit and just being so in need of finding who her birth mother was yes that Like it just all seemed like she was really ungrateful, but I don't know if the program just painted her in a really bad light without the the editing just didn't really work.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, this is the point I was going to make is the fact that um, I'm quite opinionated, obviously. So I let my feelings be known on Twitter uh, after the show came on that um, I thought she was incredibly self-centered, really ungrateful to her parents and given to give her the life that she's had for, you know, almost 40 years of her life. Um, And the fact that she's now married with kids and stuff and had a very successful life. And she just came across really badly on the show. I told you off for that tweet. Yes, you did. And so did a lot of other people on Twitter. (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, Yes. You know, I received some backlash uh, from a number of people, a number of adoptees that um, have gone through um, similar experiences and said that you're never going to understand because you're not adopted, um, and the need for trying to find your parents. Which is true, Um, yeah. But I also received a lot of um, support as well. A lot of people were like, yep, totally agree with you, 100%. She came across as a real bitch, etc., blah, 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 blah. But, you know, a lot of people shared my sentiments. And a lot of people were very much vehemently against what I said, because um, it really um, came across like I had an issue with her. Uh, But I also got a response from her husband.
1: Oh, no. On
0: Twitter. Anton.
1: What did he say? Uh,
0: who was on the show, uh, who travelled down with her and her two kids uh, in to try to help her process, trying to find her birth mother. Doesn't
1: uh, he have, like, a really serious illness Yeah, as I well? think
0: he had, like, motor neuron disease. Oh, wow. Um, so he was, go- he was going through a real difficult spell. I think difficult for the whole family. Yeah. Um, you know, and another reason why I, I kind of felt a little bit... You know, bad for him because, you know, he's going through this and he's traveling there with his wife in the search for her mother and he's not in the best physical condition as well at the same time. But he actually responded to my tweet uh, and actually said that the program um, were, didn't portray his wife in a good light. They don't know about the abusive relationship, basically, that her, not her dad, he said that the dad is an actual gem, but the mother um, has been very abusive to her in the past and that didn't come across uh, in the show. Yeah, I think um, they
1: just skipped loads of stuff.
0: Yeah. And if that if that's the case, I actually said to him, Look, then then it's something that's an issue that you need to take up with the BBC because, you know, they've really lumbered her in it in that way. Um, because they made her out to look like a real, you know, ungrateful woman. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, but it's echoes the sentiments of lots of people that were saying exactly the same thing as I was. Yeah. You know? Um obviously you can never judge um a story just from an hour program
1: exactly everyone's got everyone's got a side of their story to tell yeah
0: exactly and he actually said the reason why she didn't talk about the abuse and etc was to not paint the mother in a really bad light but it kind of backfired on her, which is the worst part. It you actually know, made her look even worse because of it. Yeah. But yeah, the actual show itself, Searching for Mum, episode one, was about Sri Lanka. You know, I was probably wrong in what I said about her and her story, which I will say publicly here on the show. But like I said, BBC didn't put that across. And it was a show that focused on them and the reasonings for them wanting to find their birth parents. And that didn't uh, echo that sentiment.
1: She really interesting about that show as well in both episodes because so the ec- second episode was um about india so um people who were trying to find their um birth parents in kolkata yes um they had been um adopted through the mother teresa um orphanages yes um it was interesting to see the levels of corruption wow that were highlighted as well mm. corruption and also mismanagement
0: Yes, yeah. Because
1: I think sometimes mistakes were made all the way through, all the way through the Sri Lankan process, yeah. all the way through the Indian process. Um, people were given false information, all that kind of stuff. You know, people, they were given pictures of who they thought were their mothers and then finding out that this is not their mother at all. It was just some random... Worker like, that was just
0: working at the orphanage. Yeah, and that.
1: just somebody they'd pulled in from the kitchens or whatever to, um, to stand for a picture because they needed it for official um, adoption kind of paperwork. Paper- paperwork and stuff it was crazy to see the levels of it and a lot of it was done in order to protect the the birth mother and her you know her kind of respectability and her dignity
0: i guess more than anything yeah community
1: yeah um but the number of children that have now been left with no information or lots of false information
0: yeah
1: is unreal
0: yeah and it's
1: that that was really heartbreaking yeah and actually that rebecca she didn't find any truth she couldn't find her mother no
0: in episode Uh, one yeah
1: and that's that's a really hard place to be in
0: yeah to not have a resolution at the end of it i think is um extremely not only frustrating but it can be quite heartbreaking um but for me nothing was more heartbreaking than stories of the two women in episode two um you know trying to find their birth mothers or birth parents in Kolkata. Um, Leila and Terry were the two women in, in context of the episode. Um, and Terry's story was really, really sad for me. Um that had
1: me in floods of tears.
0: Yeah. She had um, you know, she was trying to find her birth mother in Calcutta. Um, but she found out that her birth mother passed away, I think, ten years before um this episode.
1: Just the worst circumstances. She'd been living on the streets, yeah. you know, she had been desolate and she had kind of died alone yeah um she had some sisters she couldn't find the sisters or she found them eventually i think
0: at the end of the show yeah. yeah
1: but um at the time when she was in india she couldn't find them and she had no understanding of why her mother had died alone and what kind of woman she was and she was just like how could anybody do this yeah she found out a bit more information once she got in touch with her sisters afterwards when she got back home
0: hmm. but it was still really really sad to see and we we just spoke about india and the corruption this one episode encompassed so much of the problems of India, you know, especially of the last like 20, 30 years, Um, you know, the system, the corruption, the mentality Um, you know the thought processes of people the abuse abuse as well you know obviously we've spoken about Mother Teresa's orphanages we're not going to go into detail about them but it's had a long-standing history of controversy within that system as well
1: also the girls there was a doctor on there who said that you know we had a number of girls who came in who were like 12 13 years old that had been made pregnant through rape yeah and um you know and they didn't know what was going on with them or their bodies or what it was that's why their their identities were hidden yeah. It was to allow them to have a life afterwards, Yeah. you know, and to not have this hang over their heads. Obviously, mm. anyone who has had to have a child in that way has had to suffer that. Yeah. But it was to give them the chance to kind of move on without the um, the child then reappearing, I guess, and kind of bringing it all back up again. Yeah, exactly. Um, um,
0: so it's just really, really sad to see. And it just made her story even more heartbreaking because she just, you know, she almost said that. I just wish I hadn't gone down this journey you know if I had I wish I'd come here 10 years before Layla's story um where she couldn't find her birth mother and actually found out that the person picture that she had this whole time is probably not her mother and she actually said herself I I I wish I could just rewind time and go back to before this process because she had this fantasy tale that she was told that you know that her birth mother had, had had this romantic liaison when she wasn't supposed she to. She
1: was uh, um, working for a rich family and she'd had an affair with um, the the kind of the man of the house and, um, you know, she was the result of this affair. That was a yeah. story she'd been fed. Yeah. And that was a story that her adoptive parents had. Yeah, And they exactly. had been given this information. They were like, this is your mother, this is a picture of your mother and, you know, this is the story that we were told and that's why she had to give you up because she she couldn't afford to keep you. Yeah. And... Then it just all turned out to be lies. Yeah. I think, and yeah. she went, she came back with less information than she went with.
0: Yeah. this is the thing. So for the two women in episode two, um, it was a real heartbreaking end. You know?
1: Yeah. You just got to think that you've got to multiply that by thousands. Yeah. yeah. You know, their story is not just those four four people in that sh- in those shows. It's thousands and thousands of people around the world who have no access to any information yeah. on wh- or where they come from. And who they are—it's it's very damning. Really but I would highly, t- highly recommend that you watch that program. Yeah, um, if I we haven't given away too we, much. We've to given it. pretty much everything away, but it's worth watching still because we can never kind of convey the emotion. The emotion. What else have you been watching?
0: Well, the other night uh, on Friday, the twenty-fourth of August, yeah, uh, we saw a really good documentary, a very oh, yeah. interesting documentary, very close to home for us. It was Pump Up the Bhangra which was a story about Bangra culture here in the UK.
1: It was so, so good to see.
0: So good to see reminiscing of our times in our youth. Here in the UK. Yeah. Um, we spoke on our last week's show about London Miller and the fact that um, this documentary was actually shown at the Miller for the first time. And there was also a little tent nearby uh, that exhibited a lot of the different um, elements of the culture from the old days of like Alap and Primi and stuff and all the way through to kind of, you know, uh, DCS and and now today's Bhangra and how it's evolved. But also the culture behind these people, you know, and how difficult it was to start the scene up back then um and you know the weddings and the functions that they used to play out and now it's become such a massive thing from things like Mundi at the Bachke and becoming, you know, top five across Europe, etc. But this yeah, this documentary piece hosted by Bobby Friction really was a trip down memory lane.
1: It was really interesting just to hear all of the you know the, the origins of how the culture kind of came about in Britain and it was in, you know, in the um foundries of the West Midlands. Yeah. It's the same place where heavy metal comes from. You know and that's okay. why it's called heavy metal because it was it was born in those in those kind of same places in the foundries, and this is where bhangra came from. And you know they started singing about the difficulties of their lives. You know, and yeah, the
0: had the B- B- was on there. Yeah, and his one of his songs was about you know the the struggles that he has in these foundries and yeah. stuff, and with lifting wheelbarrows and you know how much strenuous activities they have, and it was like real like you know day-to-day experience in their lyrics
1: yeah because if you listen to old bangana enough you know back home um it's about being farmers and it's about agricultural work and yeah. so they just kind of brought that here and they started singing about their experiences here instead and it was um it was really interesting to see that yes the west midlands is the heart of it yeah but there also was this whole scene in southall as well yes indeed. Um, and you know the the groups that came out of it the singers that came out of it the classic songs that came out of it yeah absolutely it was really really exciting i thought it was really really good documentary
0: yeah they spoke to Johnny singh when they came to southall <laughs> and i've actually been to Johnny singh's house have you i have indeed did you know jojo v that the reason i went around to his house was for a collaboration no way yes indeed uh executive sanjay Singh, Sanj, who was also on that show uh is a person that actually uh basically put me on into the scene, you know? Um, And I said to him, you know what? I want to do a track about Southall. And um, I I ended up doing that track years later and I put it on my mixtape. It's called um, Stand Strong, which is an ode to Blair Peach. Um, They also spoke about the Southall riots in this, which is one of the things that I was really glad they did because it touched on the youth and how difficult it was for them, um, you know, facing oppression from not only the police, but also from the National Front in Southall, Um, but how united that community was as well at the same time. And this is some of the things I wanted to speak about on this track, about Southall. And I thought, if I want to have a track about Southall, I need someone from Southall to collaborate on with. That's going to be very much in tune with not only the community, um, but also the culture, you know. And Jeanne Singh was that guy. And so I went to Jeanne Singh's house with Sanjay Sanj. Wow. To say, look, I want to do a track about Southall, you know, um, would you be up for doing this collaboration? Um he was kinda like, you know, he's a little bit hesitant on it, but I think eventually he kinda said, you know, that he would be interested. Um but I never really followed it up with him afterwards. Oh, you fool. Yeah, I probably should have. But I think for me, I'm, I did it I'm glad I did it the way I did it with that track, because the track itself became more me. Whereas I think if we'd done a track about South Thorn had Chunny Singh on it, it would have been about Chunny Singh. Because 'Cause he's a legend. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, exactly. But he did he did speak about Bobby Uni Bubby which is like a massive, massive fucking tune. It's
1: still a tune now. Like you still that's one of those songs that has to come on yes. at a wedding. It has to.
0: But you know what, I just love that the especially tracks from that era, like the the innocence of them as well at the same time. You know, like has evolved a lot. Now it's obviously mixed with a lot of different genres. Mm-hmm. But back then the songs were so Organic and like you know real and just like really innocent. I feel you know yeah. things like it, it had so many elements of the old folk days, um you know. Whereas now they're talking about you know like you know luck twenty eight kudira you know forty seven weight you know. Yeah. Karina, you know? Well. So I'm um, you know it's like there's a there's an audience in the market for everything, but I just love the fact that those songs from that period of the '80s were so um were so real and culturally
1: significant. Yeah, they still kind of had the essence of Punjab. Yeah. In them, whereas I think now obviously there's like, and you see that in documentary as well. You see the progression. Yeah. So, you know what Bali sagu was doing with music in the nineties, in the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Um, and how he incorporated all of the other kind of influences that he had from from Birmingham.
0: But that also comes with like like a, we were talking about that next generation of British Asians being British and Asian. Yeah. And the fact that it's a fusion of those two communities and the music is a reflection of that fusion. You know, uh, for Johnny Singh's uh, generation and people like him, um, and they spoke to uh, Sadara Gill
1: Yes, they did, yeah. Uh,
0: on there. I called you Bamra was on there as yeah. well. And obviously his generation of people was still very much the, the Indian generation that still had a lot of folk and um, that sort of Punjabi folk elements to their music. As yeah. soon as that next generation came through, the people that were born here people like Bali Segu, uh and the people during the 90s, yeah. obviously they've got a lot of being British as well as the Asianness in them. Yeah. So the, obviously the music then reflects that as well. Then you've got the mix of like the reggae and the ragga and stuff and the hip hop basically back yeah. then, um, you know, because that's what we listen to, you know. So the music is obviously a reflection of that. And that, um, that's how they showed that transition was the fact that now we're British and we're here to stay. This is our music. This is our sound
1: just the 90s was such a good time for all of that kind of mixing and I know like I remember my parents going what the hell is this I'm not really appreciating but me and my brother really being into it and really kind of like enjoying it and being like yeah this is this is our sound this is what comes from us you know what I mean and um, but we still appreciated the older groups like a LARP and all of those. Golden Hida, Star. Golden Star, Star. yeah. We yeah. had all their tapes. We used to ha- happily, happily play all of that music and listen to it as well.
0: All multi-tone cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or, or yeah. you know, OSA cassettes.
1: It was a, it was a good time. But they, then, but Valley Segu was what we wanted to listen to. They were the ones that we wanted to buy, not the yeah. ones that my parents wanted to buy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But they spoke about day timers on this show. Yeah. And you know what? It's I'm really sad to say, as a boy growing up in 80s, 90s Southall, I never went to a daytime gig. You know, the whole time. Uh, do you feel like you missed out now? Yes, wholeheartedly felt I missed out. I think it was more because I was a bit more, shit, what if I do something and get in trouble with my parents? I think that's going to be really bad. And the thought process of really letting them down in any way,
1: so you didn't skive off school?
0: No, I didn't. I was not that kid. <laughs> I wish I was that kid because I know so many people in my, like, around my circle that all did that. Um, I, I was just like, no, I shouldn't because I'll get in trouble and stuff like that. And I, I, was, a bit, I was really timid as a child. Mm-hmm. And now I felt there's a whole culture and a community that I missed out on by not going to those gigs.
1: Well, I missed out as well. But then it's just because I, I was a bit young. I think hmm. I was a bit too young for that. Um, so it did kind of passed me by a little bit. But also because I was in Newcastle and there wasn't that any, I don't yeah, think there was any daytimers going on. Yeah. There might have been, but I was, I would have been too young to go. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I, it's a shame because I think I probably would have had a really good time.
0: Yeah, this is it. You know, that-
1: I probably would have skipped off school to do it.
0: Yeah, well, exactly, you know, because we spoke about, you know, our last show Education, I didn't even do that well in GCSEs in the end. <laughs> so really, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference anyway. Um, but it would be nice to see these kind of gigs and stuff. But like I said, because I was Gujarati, I was never massively, massively into Bhangra back then. And I just learned to appreciate it the older I got. I still don't understand much of the lyrics, but it is the first genre of music that will get me on the dance floor straight away. Yeah, so hopefully for people outside of our culture, there is more to Bhangra music than mundi Atabachke. Uh, which we spoke about on our third show, but
1: they talk about that in the show as well. And it's like you know, it's a seminal track, It's an iconic track, and it was it's a really important track because it brought it out into the mainstream. There's a whole kind of piece about how actually the bhangra could have made it into the top forty number a number of times, yeah, um, but because of the way that you know, everything's recorded and, and sales are recorded. And the, in play, in yeah, Market. and the way that these sales were done yeah. in corner shops and stuff, it was they didn't get the kind of recognition in the chart as it could have done. Mm. But, you know, that might not be a bad thing.
0: No, exactly. You, you know, know uh, within the communities, they've all became superstars. Um, and they continue to this day. You know, Bunger is still the sounds of British Asian youth, long may it continue to do so
1: absolutely you know well done Bobby
0: well done Bobby it's a great documentary uh, took us back down memory lane to some great times in my life and um, for anyone that hasn't seen it now it's on BBC iPlayer so make sure you go check it out right that's the end of another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast I'm your host Swami Barakas
1: and I'm Jojo B aka Coconut Galilee
0: yes accepted (laughs) it now big up yourself I will catch you all again next week people peace see ya